You're listening to the Super Pod HeroCast, a night shift radio production. I think the uh, the wrinkle that time was we, it was I had to go into all the stuff I, on the recording side was right, but the Chrome the the Google Meet was a different application. That's what was yeah, and it all needs to be on. It's it's listed as codec on yours too. Yeah, the mic yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's a, and it's what it, it took me forever to realize that codec meant sure, <laughs> like <laughs> it should say sure mic, right? Uh, yeah, Not codec. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's or Behringer, the, like one of the two. I'm like, I don't know what codec is. It can't be it. Yeah, it, it's the software that used to uh, code and decode the the signal. Well, yeah, it's yeah. Yep, that's stupid. Okay, uh, uh, right. unlike this movie, that oh, is not stupid. My gosh, how much fun was this? <laughs> uh, so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. Let's stop doing a pre-roll yeah, and talk about yeah, let's the movie. talk about movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Patreon bonus <laughs> movie milestones. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic. And, and we, we watched The Secret of Nim. This was my movie milestone. Be... Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, it was. No, that's okay. Uh, it, it was your movie milestone. Uh, so everybody in the podcasting world that's listening, I have spent the better part of the day, besides doing normal household things on the Saturday, uh, recording a uh, uh, the next Storyteller series. By the time this comes oh. out, it should be out pretty soon. Um, it is called The Gathering of... Hang on. Let me get the exact title and please cut is me. It the quickening? The is it the, the quickening? Is it the quickening? There can be only one. There can be only one. Did you see it is the, the gathering? Yes, the, please. Did I see what? No, no, no. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it is called The Gathering of Drowned Voices. And uh, I am uh, I'm a pretty big part in this. And wow. so I've been. Doing a lot of recording today, so big, huge monologues that work really well for a dyslexic person. <laughs> you being going, said that, dyslexic person, yes. <laughs> I am said dyslexic person, having to say things like, uh, where was one of my favorites? The Kewenaw Peninsula, spelled K-E-W-E-E-N-A-W. My <laughs> dyslexic brain just goes, fuck. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I'm out. Yep. So oh. it's been a lot of uh, trial and error. See if you can catch that when uh, the episode comes out. If you are a storyteller storyteller series uh, subscriber, and we have a new host, Megs. Yes, uh, yes. Her first episode just went up in the time that we're recording. So uh, give a little uh, love to that uh, really cool podcast, continuing old time radio for the modern era. That's real, or cool. something like that. They have <laughs> oh, they have a catchphrase, and I just butchered it. <laughs> Old time radio, something reimagined. There yes, it is. There I got you go. There. Beautiful guys. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, wh- All right. What were you going to say? Did I see what? Uh, I, well, I'm sorry. As I was riffing on the uh, the gathering uh, and riffing into a Highlander uh, uh, 
aside, uh, did you see that they are looking? The guy, is it Chad Strahelski, the guy who directed John Wick, is supposedly connected Ooh. to a reboot of Highlander. Okay. Spoiler. I never was a big. Mo- what? Oh, I never was a big Highlander oh. person. Listen, there's I, a. The, so, okay, we're just going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be one of my other two movie milestone moments is going to be a movie with a sword. Actually, there were swords in this one. There's a, there's a, at least two out of sure the three. Were. At least two out of the three movies I pick will have swords, which is probably, you know, indicative. I think the, the earliest story, so I was a shy kid growing up, grew up in the library. Mm-hmm. It was my... Books were my first friend. It was a comfortable place. And the stories mm, that I read. Nerd. Oh my God. Uh, you've played D D with me. Is that a is that a shocker? Mm-hmm. Um Mm-mm. you know, the uh instead of wanting to be a cowboy or an astronaut or a race car driver, I wanted to be a knight of the round table, specifically Lancelot. So like fantasy imprinted on me at an early age. And this cartoon, interestingly comes out in 1982, the same year as your pick, Movie Milestones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, was, e. I was 10 years old when both of those movies came out. Obviously, you did not see E.T.'s original theatrical release. <laughs> or maybe no, you did. Nor this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Oh, no. It was one. Yeah, yeah. It was barely one. <laughs> yeah. Too, too old to have seen it in utero, but too young to see it as an independent person. So you had to catch it on one of the re-releases. <laughs> I, I definitely, I mean, we owned the VHS and I definitely remember seeing it in the theater for the, not, I don't know about the first re-release, but the second one for sure. Yeah. I yeah, went yeah. and saw it. Well, this, this movie, um, um, I, and I think we talked about it. We've talked about it at different points in the podcast. Um, kids <clears throat> today don't realize how good they've got it with the content of children's uh, programming and content available to them. And also, they don't know how good they have it that they didn't have these fucking traumatizing movies. This is... It's a rated G. It's a a G-rated movie. It's rated G, but it shouldn't be. (laughs) This should be a PG for sure. So, you know, I I was struck... Justin says, damn. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, And there's definitely super-duper murder of a couple... Different things, sure, in different sure. ways. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's the violence. Yeah, that's There's that's interesting. I wonder in what this. the rationale I mean, was. Uh, I, all I know is in the research that I saw that Don Bluth and um, oh shoot, the other um, yeah, uh, producer Don Bluth, John Pomeroy, and Gary Goldman. John Pomeroy, yep. that's who it was. John Pomeroy were very disappointed. Didn't get a PG rating because it feel it they felt that it kind of hurt uh drawing in the older crowd i remember being of an age when i would see that a movie was rated g and i was like i'm gonna see that's right gina's for babies <laughs> but now yeah. not so much i don't care what things are rated yeah you know they're good i was struck by so in that tone right it is it is scary uh or mm-hmm. it is uh it, frightening Right it, at times, it's a Don Bluth movie. It's a Don if, Bluth movie. If you're not a little scarred by the end of a Don Bluth movie, you were watching it the wrong <laughs> way. Uh, but you know, I was struck by, um, and I'm trying to remember if it's a it's a verbatim or a, a, a verbatim quote 
or if it's really a sentiment that he's expressed. But, um, you know, my, my favorite living author, Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the poet of the Sandman saga and so many other amazing, amazing <laughs> things, um, has said, you know, Coraline, right? You know, this, this is, uh, in the same vein as Coraline. Yeah. And, you know, his take, I think when people have asked him about, you know, you write books for children and yet they're scary or frightening. And, you know, what, isn't there a disconnect there? And he's expressed that um, it's perfectly fine to write stories for children that have monsters in them or nightmares or, or scary things. The important piece and the lesson that the child should take away is that those monsters and nightmares and scary things can be defeated. And that is, yep. that is the world I want to live in, not the world of like the sanitized watered down pabulum that, you know, will frighten or um, press the comfort of, of anyone, you know, because it's so safe. No, no, no. Show me, show me the scary parts of the world, but give me confidence that we can overcome them. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the secret of the ooze, (laughs) the most sanitized. So the opposite of that. Yes, that's what I want. The opposite of that. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, you're right. Uh, uh, I mean, the bad guy gets his comeuppance at Mm -hmm. the end of this. Even his sidekick, Sullivan, he, you know, he wavers, but he still did some bad shit. So sorry, he's got to die, too. Uh. Okay. Oh, sure. There's the there's the justice. You there. know, it's, sure, it's sure, like sure. if you do if it it is black and white in this movie. It is you either a, a really good person or you're pure evil, and therefore you need to die. Like he, I'm surprised Dragon didn't die at some point because he killed um, uh, Jonathan Brisby. So it's kind of <laughs> like Dragon's got to die too. <laughs> Uh, well, listen. All right, so we're getting close. Uh, we we better do some housekeeping before we get there because I I want to talk yeah, about this before story. we do. <laughs> Before we do anything. Yes, yes. Since we are. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? Well, I'll tell you what we're drinking. Yeah, you got this one. Thank you. Appreciate it. We had uh, sometimes did. schedules get complicated. You uh, swung in and took care of this one. Thank you. Yes. So showing Carissa's age or lack of uh, pop culture intake uh, in her <laughs> youth, I said, we're doing The Secret of Nim. And she goes, I don't know what that is. Oh, like, my okay, heart, uh, uh, a little part of me died inside. <laughs> it's, it's, I said, uh, their themes are rats, super intelligence, mental health, uh, experiments, moving. Uh, there's a, uh, and she's like typing away on her, uh, on her computer. She goes, Oh, there it is. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And then, then, you know, there's this weird Ruby that, you know, even after the 800th watch of this today for tonight, well, I still don't really. Totally. It's like the it's the MacGuffiny of MacGuffins yeah, in this yeah. movie. And it's a, almost mythological. It, it yeah. Yep. Which is not in the book at all. Correct. Correct. Which we'll get to. Yep. Um so she goes, Oh, I have the perfect thing. But it's from her secret stash, and uh, she was very gracious to give me the last four of her <laughs> secret stash. Uh, and this is a uh, grapefruit infused. Kolsch? Kolsch? Is that how you say that? Uh, Kolsch. K-O-L. Kolsch? This is Genesee Specialties Ruby Red Kolsch. It is beer, as it says on the side. (laughs) It is a blonde ale with a natural pink and red grapefruit flavor, bringing 
fourth, my favorite character's repeated line, Jeremy the Crow. Sparkly <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, this is a... So, I, I think we talked about... So, way back when, uh, in Season 1, in Episode 17, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, we drank mm-hmm. Genesee Brewhouse's Scotch Ale as one of our two beers we that sure night. We sure did. Um, and I think I shared in that episode, I was surprised to learn that these these really cool craft beers that come out of the Genesee Brewhouse... Genesee Brewhouse is a is owned by Genesee Brewing Company, Jenny Cream Ale, which is, uh, some people love a cream ale. I do not. In my life, you know, I think today, Genesee has kind of become, you know, very um, low-cost domestic. But they're a very yep. old brewing company with a lot of tradition just down the road in Rochester. And uh, sure. their little brew house does And in Auburn. There's, there's, there's one in Auburn, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I don't know. If, I mean, there's a Genesee beer sign, and they might. I I don't know what they manufacture. I when I worked at what uh, when I worked at local uh, grocery chain, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'd see every every night when I'd go there. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Uh, so perfect beer pairing. And again, branching out bottle shop, Township Five in the mm. Greater Syracuse area. Here, you're not going to find a better selection. And you know that goes to the staff as well. Their beers are great. Carissa and Joel, and of course Barley the shop dog. You're not going to find better people around. Go see them. Go say hi. No, you're not. Yeah. All right. Let's crack these bad boys open. All right. Okay. Ooh. The, the last couple fruit. times you've gone. Mm-hmm. The last couple times you've gone to branching out has Barley been extra like lovey dovey? Uh, I don't. Know. I mean, he's certainly always active. I don't know if I would. If I could compare it, is he, he usually like comes over and he says hi and he's doing all these other things. To this, when I went to go get this, he like came up, he kind of hugged into me, let me oh. rub him. I was like, "What is happening?" Was that, you know what? The last few times I've been there, there've been a lot of people there, and he's really. It was just me. Okay, yeah. there you go. You're getting uh, you know, he's like, love barley. me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. The best barley. That's right. Well, <laughs> all right. This beer smells delicious. Cheers, buddy. Oh, yes. Cheer. Oh, that is like actual grapefruit. Yeah. Holy shit. That's good. That wow. is. Wow. Oh, my God. That is what we would call a crushable beer. Ooh, boy. We really. You know, it's funny. I, I, Which is good because I have the other one right here. Yeah. Oh, and I, and, uh, I brought a little tiny uh, cooler bag with some uh, ice in it to keep it with, cold. Oh, it's a nerd. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I pulled up the Genesee Brewing Company's website to just get some information about the beer today. And the the thing on there, it says out of season, they'll be shipping it again in March of 2022 because this is one of their seasons. Yeah, that's why she she really wanted me to make sure to tell everybody she does not have any more. (laughs) Got it. Okay. (laughs) Leave her alone. Yeah, like when she's got it, it's like. A, a huge demand for I, it. I'll be honest with you. I have seen this on the shelf and mm-hmm. never never even considered picking it up. But, oh, my God, this is – you nailed it. This is a crushable beer. Oh, that grapefruit makes it so and, good. And I don't usually love grapefruit, but there's something about the Not grapefruit gra- in the beer. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
Oh, that is a great beer for a great movie. Good call. Thank Delicious you. and digestible. Yes. Just yes. like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. let's talk about some production stuff. Um, so sure. You referenced uh, a book. So in 1971, uh, Robert C. O'Brien writes or publishes the Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of mm-hmm. Men. Yep. Uh, the rights get... Do you know why it was? Do you know why it was changed for the movie? Uh, to avoid potential trademark disputes with Frisbee the toy, <laughs> with Whammo, right? Yeah, um, pretty stupid. Now, uh, so <clears throat> uh, you mentioned Don Bluth, who, if you love, if if you have favorite, well, if you're of an age and you have favorite animated <laughs> uh, movies from your childhood that aren't Disney movies. There's a very good chance, and and you are old enough that DreamWorks was something that was created when you were an adult. Then there's a very good chance that those movies you love were Don Bluth movies. One hundred percent. Don Bluth. Uh, Don Bluth is the anti Disney, like, yeah, and not in like a not in a malicious way, but he the only movie Don Bluth worked on at Disney was <laughs> the Black Cauldron. Uh, he spoiler. He, that's a bad movie. <laughs> Uh, he does have, if you look at his wiki page, it does list him as as um, uncredited, uh, or not the wiki, um, maybe it was his IMDB. Oh, it lists him as un, um, an uncredited animation director for Pete's Dragon. I could see that. Pete uh, Elliot definitely has a... Uh, Don Bluth feel to him. Everybody in the Don Bluth the verse has puffy cheeks. Yeah, yes, like that's right. you ever that's notice right. that? Everyone's got these. I'm like, oh boy. Um, Maybe lower your salt intake. So this little fact. Um, so you and I both watch this on Amazon Prime because it's free right now if you have Prime Video. So um, we watched it there. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out in it's December, still there. Yep. Um, <laughs> if you if you. Click the little X-ray, which is like the little blurbs and trivia and stuff that that Amazon curates through your movie watching experience. Right in the title credits, you get a little really interesting blurb, and this is verbatim from the Amazon X-ray. Don Bluth, John Pomeroy, and Gary Goldman all left Disney to pursue this project, which had originally been rejected by their former employer as, quote, too dark, end quote, to be a commercial success. They were followed soon after by 20 other Disney animators dubbed the Disney defectors by the trade press. So, And that's probably that 20 that get their own title card at the end. Oh, There's I'm sure. 20 animators that get their own. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 20 people animate? And then it's like, sell animation. I'm like, wait, what's the difference? And that's got to be it. It's like a little like to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, yeah, look at it. We got all this talent. Because this movie is... Beautiful. It really is. And but this is so indicative of I mean Don Bluth's legacy, which I think is again you know, not Disney, but the other big name in children's animation. Um, so this movie comes out in eighty two. Um and Don mm-hmm. Bluth gets uh, sh- uh he directs it, produces, and he produces all these. And then, you know, basically for the next 20 years, it's Don Bluth doing these non-Disney great movies. So here's the ones that he are responsible for. So all these he's directed and produced, and one of them he's also got a writing credit. But uh, An American Tale, 
Fievel. The Land God. Before Time. All dogs yeah. go to heaven. Okay. Rockadoodle. Uh-huh. Thumbelita. A troll in Central Park. The Pebble and the Penguin. Anastasia. Bartok mm-hmm. the Magnificent, which was a <laughs> spinoff from... For for An- Bartok the Little Bat, from, the Hank Azaria character. Got it, got it. From Anastasia, right? That felt right out there, sir. Oh. And then give it a Titan hug. A.E. So... Do you have a favorite? Watching, so, other than this movie, do you have a favorite oh, in that list? Uh, I really loved All Dogs Go to Heaven. Me too. Kid. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a great movie. What's mine is yours. <laughs> What's yours is mine. The, great, okay. Great um, movie. The, so I think, well, so watching this today, mm-hmm. I got thinking about, you know, All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Land Before Time where every child in the theater was scarred by Littlefoot's mother uh, dying in the first seven minutes of the film. And then it's just like the kids are on their own. Figure it out. Um, but well, Titan A.E. Bambi? I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> um, did did you see Titan A.E.? Um, no, I did not. And I'm trying. Let's see. what I feel like maybe Christian watched it. It killed Fox 2000 uh, Animation Studio. Okay. It did so badly. But I I kind of liked it. And for a future Patreon uh, season, yeah, maybe we could do something called Second Chances. Ooh, movies that didn't make it the first time around that deserve that second but look. That but we, that we like, I give it another chance. Okay. Like, I liked it. But I haven't watched it in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It may suck. Um, I remember I actually was visiting uh, my girlfriend in college out in California, and that was one of the one of the things we did was go see that movie with her friends, and we're all like, "Yeah, that's good." I mean, it was dark, but it was good. You know, pretty much every Don Bluth movie ever. You're like, "It's good." It was dark, but it's good. Um, yeah, and you know, so I'm thinking this one was probably even more impactful to me than those movies, which like all of those I saw um, even more impactful to me probably was um, Don Bluth was also the genius behind dragon's lair, which, you know, in the era in which I grew up, you know, begging my parents to give me quarters to go to the arcade um, in Pencan mall. uh, (laughs) Most of the time. Rest in peace. (laughs) Um, You know, dragon's lair was, Unlike anything we'd ever seen in video games before, it was it was it literally was choose your own adventure. It was choose yeah. your own adventure. Yeah, I mean there were it would it played animation clips that told this wonderful story of it was so good. It was so uh, what cool. Was the, what was the character's name? Dirk the da- was it Dirk the Daring? Dirk was the, it Dirk the Daring was from it Dragon's Dirk? Lair. Yeah, Dirk the Daring. Dirk, yeah, um, and things would happen and. and you know, he you would have a moment where he had like some kind of a choice. Does he go for the sword? Does he jump out of the way? Does he avoid the electricity in the chess in the chessboard mm-hmm. floor? Um, it was such an incredible video game. And when it came out, if I remember correctly, it was fifty cents to play, where every other game in the arcade was twenty five. And with that, you could not get on the machine because it there was always somebody there. With people lined up behind him to play it. Oh man! Well, wasn't that the thing? Uh, wasn't it Stranger Things season three? Doesn't uh, 
Doesn't Dustin play, uh, or is it two? Season two, they're playing Dragon's Lair. Yeah. And oh, he's, yeah. he gets, uh, uh, Dirk gets um, flamed by the dragon and turns to bones. That's bones. Right. That's and right. Dustin <laughs> is like, this is bullshit. This game is costing too much money. I think it's 75 cents for him. I think he said it cost me 75 cents. Maybe. If I'm remembering it, correctly. That's entirely but, possible. Man, yeah, so if you aren't a child of the the 80s, yeah. but are a Stranger Things fan, that's the game that oh. we're talking about right now. The game that Dustin loses his mind over. And it there was no other game in the arcade like it. Um it no, was it absolutely was followed- not. and there really hasn't been anything like it since. Yeah, yeah. Um so Don Bluth or his company Bluth Group created a uh, basically a, a science fiction type game like that called Space Ace, uh, which in my oh, opinion was okay. was never as good as uh, Dragon's Lair. But I mean, again, it was still something that was okay. unlike anything else in the arcade. And interestingly, you know, didn't really spawn. Like that didn't open up a new genre in in arcade games. Don Bluth has always kind of been the black sheep. I yeah. feel like like he he gets to make his movies because they make enough money, but I don't think he is praised for for all the stuff he he did yeah. and has done. And you know, as I say that, it didn't create a new genre in the arcade, and it did not in the arcade. But I think the storytelling in today's you know console and PC games. The stories mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, Dragon's Lair was a story unlike anything we'd seen. You know, Space Invaders and Defender and Galaga, right? Right, and Dig Dug. Th- th- there were no stories. You know, stories in video games weren't a thing. So, um, I, you know, yeah, the I, Donkey Kong. You're chasing a monkey that stole your girlfriend, and he's throwing barrels at exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. The end. Yeah, <laughs> Pac Man. Pac Man. Look out for the ghosts. Something's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look out for the ghosts. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, while we're loving on Don Bluth, let's talk <laughs> about the animation style in this movie. Yeah. this good They old... brought up old technology to do this. Oh, I didn't know that. Tell me more. Yes. Uh, well, first they used rotos- rotoscoping for Nicodemus's and the great owl's eyes and all the all that effect, including the... Um, the reflection, the amount of reflection that's in this movie for an animated movie is out of control and for an 82 animated movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and so it, just to be pedantic, right? So if, if people don't, if they've heard that term, but they don't know what it is. Uh, so we're going right. To, oh, I'm going to explain. Oh, oh, oh please, please. <laughs> don't worry. Rotoscoping <laughs> is uh, where you take a, a live image and you put a reflective surface on it to make it like it's how they did the lightsabers in uh, the original Star Wars movies. Got it. Uh, or at least the first two. I think by the third, they animated the lightsabers on there, but definitely in A New Hope. Uh, and the other thing they did is something called multiplane camera, where it literally is a camera up here, yep. up up above, and then there are different panes where they can put the animation cells in to give that depth of field that you don't yeah. really get with 2D animation. That's why this movie looks so fucking good. I th- like, uh, in this movie, the rotoscoping that stands out the most to me besides the eyes mm-hmm. is uh, Farmer Fitzgibbon's tractor. Oh. is a real tractor that is just... Been animated over. Oh, um, no kidding. Ralph Bakshi liked using it a lot too. If you ever saw the super bizarre Lord of the Rings that yes, he did, yes, 
all the armies and all actually all the actors are rotoscoped. Oh, no, it's kidding. like the, the beginning of motion capture. Yeah. They all huh. performed on a set and then were animated over. That's crazy. That's so wild. That's yeah. so wild. Um, and you know, it's interesting. The, you know, my understanding is I did a little digging was that mm-hmm. that era of Disney studios, um, Walt Disney had passed away and there was this perception that the quality of the work they were creating was not, you know, what it had once been. And and they were correct. And they were correct. <laughs> and, you know, Bluth and the others, their defection, I think really was about wanting to, you know, it's this pursuit of excellence that I love, you know, and I'm entranced by people who have this desire to continually find the best of what they can do. Um, and it's just, it, it's really cool. And I'm so glad we have all of this because they left yeah. the mouse, you know? <laughs> right. This stuff would, I mean... I think when was Black Cauldron? Was it before or after this? Uh, well, I guess it was before because Don Bluth was there for it. Uh, that you know, it doesn't show up on his credits. Uh, hang on, let me look on the. Or maybe it was the Rescuers. The Rescuers, because that, that feels like his animation style. Um, actually, well, let's. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I was looking at the director credits. Uh, as so, Don Bluth has as an in the animation department. I mean, his first one is 1951, Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> assistant animator, Jeez, uncredited, us. Peter Pan, uncredited, Sleeping Beauty, uncredited, Sword in the Stone, uncredited. Um, oh, Sword in the Stone. Uh, I fucking love Sword in the Stone. Yeah, right. Uh, and then, let's see, Escape to Witch Mountain, 75, 77, Rescuers, he's a, direct, he's a directing animator in 77, Pete's Dragon. It was the Rescuers, because... Uh, Black Cauldron was 85. Okay, got it, got it, got it. He was long gone by then. Uh, Black Cauldron originally had an R rating. Uh, Well, hang on. Black Cauldron, he is listed as a background artist uncredited. Now, that's 85. So I wonder if if they had had stuff that they'd been working on, they got pulled in, and so... Oh, sure. And also, this was... This, uh, 85, but originally, I believe, Black Cauldron was supposed to be an 84 three or four release and oh, then they had to rework okay. everything to get to take away the r rating though you know one of the characters commits suicide to, to save everybody else uh because this movie is super fucked up <laughs> have you ever seen it i you know i'm sure i have but i i couldn't i couldn't tell you other than do i remember that the cauldron animates the dead does it like create zombies or skeletons no. yep that's exactly what it does yeah that's, it's okay then i clearly have seen at least part. and the villain is like the dark one or the he doesn't even have a name yikes it's the yikes or maybe he does have a name hmm. no um what's his face uh arthur mallet is in that too mr arthur mr ages oh yeah, you know, and there's so and toodles. <laughs> yes, that's right, toodles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've lost uh, my right, models. So we, we love Don Bluth, so um, I mean, we can't just gush about him. Uh, the other writing credits, I'll, I'll just point those out. Uh, John mm-hmm. Pomeroy, Gary Goldman, Will Finn. Again, it's all this crew that kind of that you know goes from Disney, um, and their credits all all those ones I listed with Don Bluth, they're all over all that. Yeah. Um, so there's no almost cast. Uh, okay. I, it just simply because I maybe 
because of the time period and that it was a children's movie, this kind of information just didn't make it out into the world. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, probably Dom DeLuise was always Jeremy because he's wonderful oh, <laughs> as Jeremy. Uh, but he, I, as much as I love Burt Reynolds, I also love Dom DeLuise that much. Because again, <laughs> you know, formative figure in my early movie experiences. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but we do need to spend a bit of a sad minute on Elizabeth Hartman, the voice of Mrs. Brisby. Yes. This was her last <gasps> thing. She really? then retired from acting. She, she struggled with mental health and depression and sadly took her life. Oh, my um, gosh. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like five years later. She moved back to Pittsburgh, and I guess she, she'd like talked to her sister, and her sister was worried for her, and she she sadly uh, suicide by jumping. It's it's very oh. sad, um, and she's because she's wonderful. She's wonderful in this. Yeah, I I could not hear anyone else do Mrs. Brisby, mm-hmm. which we will also get to the the kind of screwed up thing that she doesn't have her first name. Yeah, she's I, just she's Mrs. Jonathan, Mrs. Jonathan Brisby. Brisby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the way it is in the book too. She's just Mrs. Frisbee. She doesn't have a name, uh, yeah. though. A lot of people have just said that her first name is Elizabeth okay. in honor of oh, Elizabeth that's, Hartman. That's pretty cool. Well, good that works that. for me. Yeah, I'll take that head cannon. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah. Other than that, I I don't have anything else. We could uh, okay. get to the movie unless you. Oh, budget. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a 1982 release. So the conversion factor, $1982 to today, is about 2.87. So this had a budget at the time of $7 million, and it does just shy of $15 million at the box office. So in today's numbers, that's a excuse me, $20 million budget and a $42 million box office. Not bad and- for a little upstart um, rogue group of ex-Disney animators. And uh, it's probably why, well, like, let's see, this was 82. In 1998, they made a sequel to this. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, I don't think I I've have seen never it. seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I went, oh, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> Nobody I, cares. I think if I remember right, Don Bluth was not involved with that, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Dick Seabast directed it. Seabass? Uh, who was... <laughs> yeah, kick his ass, Seabass. Yeah, uh, yeah. The um, wiki page, wiki page says that uh, Secret of Nim Two, Timmy to the Rescue, was made without Bluth's involvement or input. Mister Ages is still Arthur Mallet. Uh, do you see who plays Justin in that one? No, William H Macy. Come on, that's wild. <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll no, get to it in the movie. No, if you remember during ET, when I was like, "Oh yeah, Justin is somebody," I got my wires crossed because mm. I remember reading that year. The narrator also is Peter McNichol, um, oh, Janos yeah. from Ghostbusters Two. Yes, Janos, yes. where are you from with that accent? The Upper West Side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So finally, the last thing we talk about before we transition here is the rating. This. Uh, I think, do you recall what this was rated as we discussed it last time? Uh, like a 7.6, yeah, something like that? 7.6 out of 10. Well done, Casey. So we'll we'll see how we feel about that number. I remember things once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how we feel about that number after we talk about the movie. So let's roll the film. You know I love talking about vanity logos. Yes. 
pure nostalgia love for the UA logo. It is one of the fucking coolest logos of all time. <laughs> the metal UA that turns and it's just like... Oh, shit, we're about to watch some serious stuff. That's right. That's right. Isn't this the studio that was founded by, was it like Mary Pickering, Errol Flynn? Like it, The United Artists? Yes. Which is now just part of MGM completely. Got it. I believe, yeah, because United Artists, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was in the same way that this cartoon was a little bit of a revolt from the Disney sphere, right? Mm-hmm. This was a little bit of a revolt, I think, from the uh, studio system, right? So it's, yeah, so Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford, I said Pickering, Mary Pickford, oh, Douglas yeah, Fairbanks, Pickford. and the D- other Errol Flynn. <laughs> yeah, and D.W. Griffith, who was a director, right? He wasn't an actor. Yeah, yeah one of those, one of those four. Let's not spend a whole lot of time on his history because he's Charlie Chaplin. Yes. Married his, uh, his uh, underage cousin. Cousin, yeah. Yep. What part of that do you want to say that's gross? <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, I, listen. I'm, I'm no, no, not take defending. your pick. It's <laughs> not. Oh no, no, I'm not either. I'm just yeah. saying, mar- forced a marriage, I believe, because of pregnancy. Oh my! Forced a marriage because of pregnancy of his underage cousin. That entire sentence makes me want to throw up everywhere. Yikes! Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, uh, when we went to, I'm trying to remember if it was Ireland or Scotland. He's got a, or you know, he had a large. I I don't even know. I wouldn't call it an estate. Like it wasn't that big, but in an area, I feel like it was like on the on the on the sea or the ocean. Um, but it was makes sense. Yeah, he apparently spent a lot of time there, and I'm embarrassed to to say I remember going there, and I can't remember which uh, which country it was in. That's okay. He's a horrible yeah. person. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sorry. That was a weird. No, aside. no, you're good. Um, uh, again, the animation is beautiful. I mean, th- just think about the steps that it took for when we opened the movie, we have Nicodemus writing in his journal. Yep. But he's writing through magic, which again is not an aspect of the books. The, the rats are just super smart yep. and they move Frisbee's house without any issue. It's like it. Th- the moving of the house is such a small part of the book, from what mm-hmm. I understand, that it's just kind of like, we really are uh, stretching it out here to create something bigger. Yeah, and I don't think Jenner is, he's not a villain in the, in the book. He's right? an antagonist, but he's not a villain. He's against things, but he's not willing to, you know, straight up murder, murder people. Murder Nicodemus, yeah, got it. Yeah, and Justin, he's ready to kill Justin no, at the true. end. And yeah, Mrs. Fr- Brisby. And he kills he's, Sullivan. He sure does. Yeah. R.I.P. Sullivan. R.I.P. Or as I like to call it, uh, the rat version of D- Jonathan Ratzenberger. He looks like Cliff <laughs> Clayton. He, he does. really does. I'm, he I'm does. Like, oh. He does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but when he dips his quill into the uh, inkwell, all this, like, gold dust comes up. And, and then he's holding the um, the ruby, the sparkly. And it's got his reflection, and then the giant secret of Nim comes up, and I'm just like, oh, my God, how long did it take to animate all this? Do you think that was Bluth and everyone else who had left Disney saying, look, this is what we can do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're definitely trying to shut up any of the naysayers right at the beginning. Yep. yep. For sure. Jonathan Brisby was killed today while helping with the plan. 
It is four years since our departure from Nim. First of all, let's say this. Nicodemus is the amazing Derek Jacoby. There you I go. Say, I think I said Jacoby before. Uh, myself, at one time, going to be an English teacher, uh, loving Hamlet. You know, there's two... There's two schools of thought with Hamlet, right? Is he insane or is he playing at it? The the insane Hamlet is typified by Sir Lawrence Olivier's timeless version. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, so I'm I'm firmly in the other camp. I'm in the uh this is Hamlet's ploy to to get to the bottom of what's rotten in Denmark, right? <laughs> and uh I think the definitive clever Hamlet is Derek Jacoby's it must have been like a teleplay because it was yeah, not it a movie. It didn't get a theatrical like um, Olivier's did. Yeah, but it was. Or the nine other versions. Yeah, it was like a stage version, specifically yep. staged to actually not even film, to tape. And I saw it in high school. I'm not sure. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I've seen bits of it. Um, it's good. But, it's uh, really good. But that's who, I mean, for me, Derek Jackie will Derek always Jacoby. be. Yeah, he's Hamlet. He's my Hamlet. The other two big ones. Uh, we cannot go what since we're on a Hamlet tangent. Yeah. Uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh is wonderful because mm-hmm. it is the only one that has the entire five and a half hour show. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I think they they might move some stuff along, but it's the, the entire text is there. It from what I understand, and then there's you know well, Mel Gibson did one too. He did do one. It was a big deal when it happened. He was, he was like, the guy from Lethal Weapon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Glenn Close. And, yeah. uh, oh, who played Thelonious in that one? I got to be honest with you. I don't know that I saw it. I mean, I remember when it came out, but I remember thinking, like, you know, I was a real nerd about it at the time. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. like, I loved Mel Gibson, but I was not interested in seeing him do that. The only really cool thing, and it's no spoiler because it's a 500-year-old play, uh, when <laughs> Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are supposed to uh, sentence Hamlet to death and he switches it so it's them, mm-hmm. there's just like this, like, not Laertes, what is the Claudius? Claudius? No, Claudius is the brother, is uh, the uncle, Uncle Claudius. Who is Ophelia's dad? Uh, yeah, who is that? Colin is screaming at his podcast right Polonius? now. Polonius, right? Polonius. Polonius like gives Rosencrantz and Guildenstern the things like, oh, no, but Hamlet's already made the plan to do it. And they're like, we'll take care of it. And all of a sudden it's just them like smash cut and they're being put towards chopping blocks. Like, no, you've got the wrong people. Duh! And that's it. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, okay, R.I.P. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, and also Ethan Hawke made one, but fuck him. Oh, that's right, he did, didn't he? Holy cow! With uh, with Bill Murray. Was it was Bill Murray in that? He was Claudius. Oh my! Oh, it's interesting. it's it's hmm. it, yeah, it's something. Um, okay, Derek Jacoby. By the way, uh, his filmography, yeah. which won't include his stage work, because he is he was primarily a, or he was initially a stage performer, correct? Sure. The theater. Yep. Uh, 164 credits with stuff Jesus that is Christ. right now filming or in pre and post production. He's one of the people that you need the word gravitas for. Yes. Right? Like, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And oh, his Nicodemus is just delightful. It's a, the wonderful mix of Gandalf and uh, had not been created yet, but book version Dumbledore. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except that, except that he is just an old man. Like, that's what I love about Dumbledore in the books is that he's like, oh, I'm this old wizard. I don't know what's going on. But if you fuck up at the school, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and that's that's what Richard Harris did. And then when What's-His-Face took over, it was just kind of like, ah, no, I know everything that's going on. I'm like, well, this uh, is fun. Gambon? Michael Gambon. Yeah, Michael, Michael Gambon. Gambon. Yeah, yeah. Nicodemus writes that Jonathan Brisby has been killed. Jenner is out of control. I don't know if he says that or if that's just on the page before, but we definitely get Jenner's introduction there. Like, don't trust Jenner. So you're right. You could do a 30-second plot on this very easily. It's not an incredibly complex story. Correct. There's lots of little layers in here that are really nice. What's happening is I kept pausing the video, Mm -hmm. one, to kind of transcribe his speech, but also to see what's on the page. What he is saying, he's talking to himself as he's writing in the journal. What's on the page is not what he's saying. He's talking to himself. The journal is this almost like he's documenting for history, you know, these events. And his his uh, his voiceover narrative is basically him talking to himself. And our world is changing. We cannot stay here much longer. Jonathan was a dear friend. I am lost in knowing how to help his widow. She knows nothing of us or the plan. Perhaps best that I do nothing at present. I shall miss him. Jonathan, wherever you are, your thoughts must comfort her tonight. She'll be waiting, and you will not return. what he's writing is totally different. Yeah, he's writing about how Dragon was the one who killed him, which I liked that Jenner didn't have any part to do with it. Like, yeah. Jenner just sees the opportunity in Jonathan's death to move his side of the plot along, but he it's not a scar situation. He didn't yeah. get Jonathan out of the way. It, you know, I, I, I really enjoy that. That makes him more of a villain that he just bided his time to wait for the right moment to to mess everything up. I I I really like Jenner a lot, even though he's the <laughs> villain. I like the design of Jenner. I like the guy who does the voice of Jenner. He also has passed away. Um, but man, it's just when we get to Jenner, I'm gonna spend some time on Jenner. Okay. You know, you said something earlier about why in a morality play, those who commit murder must die, right? For justice. Mm-hmm. Dragon has killed Jonathan, but Dragon doesn't die because Dragon's really more of a force of nature. He's not it's not a, right. it's not a character. It's a it's a it's a dragon. It's a, yeah, dude, it is, the cat yeah. is a dragon. It's like a dragon. when he roars at them, I'm like, so it's a fucking dragon <laughs> like exactly it's waiting for fire to come out you can't fight it or defeat it you can trick it right which they do mm-hmm. by drugging it but you can't you can't fight against it yeah that's, that's and really i love good. how aloof uh mrs fitzgibbons is, is the fact that dragon is always sleeping it's just like dragon you 
lazy kitty. Go catch some of those rats out in the barn. I've never seen a cat sleep so much. Take him to the vet, man. If he's <laughs> sleeping as much as, if he's constantly asleep, I'm like, it's something wrong with my cat. And then, you know, they'll find out he's being drugged. <laughs> if I liked cats, maybe I would care. But no, fuck him. This cat is a monster. <laughs> he is. He's got like the one glassy eye. Like he's uh-huh. he is frightening. And again, the movie's rated G, but it's definitely a movie that uh, will oh. frighten children. He is not the most frightening force of nature uh, animal in this movie. We'll we'll get to that in a, mm, in a little bit. Yes. And mm. then we get the secret of Nim. Then we are introduced to Mister Ages and Mrs. Brisby. Mister Ages, is anybody home? Go away. What a great way of like telling us a whole bunch of information just because these two characters have never met. So we'll get all the information we need as an audience member. Could Mr. Ages be more crotchety? I don't suppose you would remember me. Yes, you're Mrs. Brisby. And I'm sorry about your husband's death. Now, if you'd excuse me. He doesn't know. He doesn't know who she is. He knows who she is, but they've never met. Oh, they've never met. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Because everyone knows Jonathan Brisby. Got it, got it, yeah. Okay, so you're right, Mr. H. Is, he is rather crotchety. You know, he's he has a reason for it. He's got a broken leg, so he's not feeling not great. Not yet. First scene, he doesn't have it. Oh, crap. Okay, I'm misremembering. Okay, got it. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. Because she comments on it when they when she meets up with him and, and the we meet Justin for the first got time. It. Yeah. Okay, as we step into the story, um, mm-hmm. we have this almost like aerial, if this is a live action, an aerial shot of a farmhouse. It might as well be like hundred acre wood, right? Like it's got yeah. that kind of a feel to it. This pastoral. I think setting. for all future animated things we do, we don't have to say if this was a live action. We can just call it an aerial shot. We can yeah. call it an right, okay. extreme close up. It's fine. Everyone fine. knows that we know this isn't real. <laughs> right, right. right. Wait, hang on. No movies are real. (laughs) Only documentaries. And even there, the narrative is pushed. That's right. Although we initially see the farmhouse, the the camera sweeps to the right, and we see a rusting harvester. We've got clunking and Mm -hmm. steam. And this is Mr. Age's uh, hangout, right? And you're right. And he is... Like, he's, get off my lawn. Mr. Ages! Great Jupiter woman, what do you want? I know exactly who this character is. Mm-hmm. You know, Mrs. Brisby, for not having a first name, is a, well, hmm. My perception is, and I wonder, you know, you or our listeners tell me if I'm missing this, she's a strong female character. By the end. By the end, she is. Yeah, sure. oh, sure. She She's... But, uh, Jesus, for lack of a better word, she's mouse-ish in the beginning. She's, sure. I mean... She's a fucking mouse, so of course she is. But, I mean, she's very meek. What I love about Elizabeth's performance is all the little incidental noises she makes Mm. and and the stammering of, uh, you know, it feels like a very lived-in character for her. Um, And this was a time where you just did voices. You know, this wasn't – I'm sure they all did their voices separately. I don't think this was um, like old-time radio where they were all together kind of thing. Yeah, but boy, the voice acting is wonderful. I mean, the world is so real for these, you know, hyper-intelligent rats and the field mouse and the shrew. I mean, it feels so real. The acting is top-notch. So is the shrew and the only two I have questions on, I know pretty much either they are from Nim or descendants of rats and mice from Nim. Well, Jonathan and Mr. Agers are the only ones. So why is the shrew and uh, Mrs. Brisby super intelligent? They were never part of the... Uh... Well, they're not. Um, and later when 
Mrs. Brisby meets Nicodemus, and he tells her to read the journal to understand what has happened. I can read a little. Jonathan taught me. <laughs> and a nice little nod that the children can do it better because they have part of Jonathan's blood in them, mm-hmm. so they have the intelligence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so there's a little bit of a leap that, so theoretically, you know, it seems like any mouse could be taught to read, but the spark is like the self-awareness and, you know, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's kind of. It's, it's like the Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Speaking of children, Mrs. Brisby is there because. Timmy has fallen down the well. Oh, wait, no, no, no. no. <laughs> he's safe. He's, he's at home, but he's in bad shape. Dear audience members, I had the restraint not to make the Lassie reference. <laughs> Good, Todd glad, did not. Glad someone did. That's good. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> so, Timmy's sick. He's got a fever. Just how high is his fever? He's burning hot to the touch. Mm, yeah. He's soaking wet with perspiration. Yes. And there's a raspy sound when he breathes. A raspy sound, you say? Uh, does he have a chill? Yes, he does. Have you wrapped him in a blanket? Yes. Yeah, and like she gives all the things and then, God, worst bedside manner ever in Mr. Ages. Your son has pneumonia. Pneumonia? It's not uncommon, but you can die from it. Oh, please, dear God, no. Here, give him this shit. It might work. <laughs> yeah, and he can't move. He can't leave his bed for three weeks. Uh, he also gives, so he gives him a little, gives her a little envelope, a packet of medicine uh, to give to Timmy. The one fly in the ointment, the only problem is... He cannot be moved for at least three weeks. But moving day is nearly here. You asked my advice and I gave it to you. I'm sorry. You know, there was a time in New York City when all the leases for apartments and homes, if you didn't own them, they expired on, I think it was April 1st. Like, literally every year. And so if you rented an apartment, literally everyone in the city had to move all of their shit on this one day each year. And it was, yeah, if you've never, I'm trying to remember where I saw it. It must have been a documentary. For the life of me, I cannot think of how I got there. But Google New York City moving day. And this is like, I think, uh, probably like, my guess is 1800s. Oh, it dates back to colonial times and it lasted until after World War II. Oh, fuck that. On February 1st, not April, on February 1st, sometimes known as rent day, landlords would give notice to their tenants what the new rent would be after the end of the quarter. The tenants would spend good weather days in the early spring searching for a new house and the best deals. Oh, this is it. On May 1st, all leases in the city expired simultaneously at 9 a.m., causing thousands of people to change their residences all at the same time. Oh, my God. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. And obviously, this is long before moving trucks or movers, right? Or, you know, it's mud. Or comfortable uh, clothes to move around in. Can you imagine? I mean, they they were the the men were probably moving this in a shirt and tie. That's bonkers. No, no, thank you. uh, So when they said moving day, that's immediately what I thought of. It was like, oh, it's this, like, you have to come out. Now, we'll find out in a few minutes. The moving day is is less this, uh, you know, villainous landlord, and it's actually a function of where they live. They're on a farm. Mm-hmm. As the frost breaks, the farmer will till the field, right, to, to turn mm-hmm. it in preparation for the planting. And, of course, at that point, where they've been safe and sound throughout the winter will no longer be safe as the field is turned over, and they need to move ahead of that. The problem is Timmy can't move because he's got to stay in bed with pneumonia. So we're on a collision course here. Specifically, it is just as one of the rats of Nim say, 
It's the lesser creatures. I think it's Sullivan that says it. Um, oh, so that. the rats aren't moving because they live underneath the rose bush. Sure, sure. It's just the rabbits, the 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 shrew, the uh, although Almost they the wild have to ones move. that live in the fields. Yeah, that varying levels of intelligence doesn't yeah. seem like the rabbits are very smart. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that is correct. Um, Speaking of not smart characters, oh, but we are so then introduced to my favorite character. What the, oh, lady, don't sneak up on me like that. I didn't mean to frighten you. Oh, <laughs> you didn't frighten me. I was just sort of working out. <laughs> Jeremy the Crow. What a fucking delight Don DeLuise is. He really is. And, and again, I, I was a little bit bummed that you... Uh, what was it? L- two seasons ago on Patreon. Oh, you haven't seen that. A little bit bummed that, of course, you'd seen Cannonball Run, um, because I really <laughs> that was my first choice for a for a Burt Reynolds movie. Happy with Hooper. It's a great movie that I love, but you know, no Dom DeLuise in that, and that that partnership of those two. And I mean, that's why I love uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's Bert and Tom Delis. Yeah. I'm really after this terrific string. I'm working on a love nest for two. <laughs> Jeremy's the perfect definition of a lovable idiot. He is. He's a crow. <laughs> he's a very dumb crow. Yes. Who anytime he bumps into anything, he says, "Excuse me, pardon me." He's great. He's great. <laughs> no matter what it is, so uh, he is t- tied up in some string because he's trying to make a love nest. Yep. And Mrs. Brisby's like, "You got to shut up because Dragon the Cat's gonna hear you." Hey, there's a cat out there. Quiet. Does he see you? No. <laughs> yes. Stand perfectly still. Everything's fine. He's headed right for us. Don't panic. Fast or slow? Medium. Make that fast. Very fast. I have to go now. Excuse me. (laughs) And then you find out that it's just a rabbit running from Dragon. The actual cat is coming. We pull a Jurassic Park here. (laughs) As Mrs. Brisby says, stay still so you won't be seen. But clever girl, (laughs) Dragon uh, is stalking them. I love the fact that a crow... A bird is allergic to cats. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. so funny. If I had actually been near a cat, I'd be sneezing my brains out. See, I'm allergic to cat. I'm allergic to hay. I'm allergic to hay. John DeLuise is the perfect crow because a lot of animal, a lot of birds, you can kind of see that they're like focused on one thing. It seems like crows. Not in a dumb way. Jeremy's a dumb crow, but crows will be like doing one thing and then all of a sudden be like, oh, wait, but I got to focus on this. Oh, then I got to do this. And that's what happens. Like Jeremy is so fragmented in how he is talking. You're just like, oh, you are just all over the place. And of course, he's attracted to shiny objects like crows are. Ooh, a sparkly. The rabbit was not dragon, but of course, dragon is basically hot on its trail. So we have a little bit of a of a chase and it's again Ooh. suspenseful and scary. Um it ends with Mrs. Brisby and Dragon falling into the water underneath a, a mill wheel. Um uh-huh. she pulls herself up and she's safe, but she has lost the envelope with Timmy's medicine. But Sad. lovable idiot to the rescue. Oh, here you dropped this back there. Jeremy saves the day, and of course he's like Uh-huh. It is what? It is? I mean it is. Well, I saw it lying there and I said 
My name is Jeremy. Dom DeLuise is a is a legend for a reason. Boy, I I wonder, I wonder like what the cutoff is. We probably know people that don't really know who Dem. Maybe have heard the name but never seen him in anything. The farthest I think we could go for our like circle of people that are listening, yeah, of a certain age, Spaceballs. He is Pizza the Hut. <laughs> So, yeah. if you've seen Pizza the Hut, you've seen Dom DeLuise. Yeah, that's true. That's true. His first film credit, 1964, <laughs> Diary of a Bachelor. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus. 20, oh, this is, okay, 2019. I'm like, wait, that's not right. Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. He voiced Myron. He was re- it was recorded in 2006. It was a posthumous release, his final film role. But uh, he passed away in 2009. 13 years later? Oh, 2009 okay uh no no 2019 2019 yeah 13 years later the movie was released wow yeah yeah which was 10 years after he died yeah that's that's crazy yeah tom deloise r.i.p man (laughs) what a great one so we are now introduced to three of the four brisby children we're introduced to um martin voiced by i'm not afraid of the dark much I'm not afraid of the farmer. I can't, yeah. I'm not even scared of dragons. I'm not even afraid of of, of the great owl. Will you hush up? I you hush up. Will Wheaton. I, I had a whole bunch of holy shit moments as I was looking at the cast. The wonderful and often misunderstood Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. And uh, the more I've gone back to watch Next Generation, I'm like, hey, the crew was kind of a dick to Wesley. <laughs> He's super genius. Let's listen to what he has to say. Really? Oh, yeah. Martin is... Um, the middle the oldest, child, of course. Yeah, the oldest boy, the middle child. Uh, the oldest, his older sister, Teresa, voiced by... She went to see Mr. Ages. Two ages? That old flim-flam. Whatever for. Timothy is very ill. Timmy ill? How dreadful. Shannon Doherty, again, crazy. Uh, who I read did all of her lines wearing a big pink bow, just like her character. And I want to uh, say, oh, that's adorable. She's born in 71. Oh, same as me. Uh, so she's 10 when this comes out. So probably nine when she's mm-hmm. when nine she's when she's it. recording it. Yeah. And is this her first? No, she'd done a couple things on TV in 81 and 82. So this is contemporaneous with her her start in the business, yeah. This was Will's first thing, though, right? Stand by, please. Uh, no, I'm in, I'm in IMDb. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Long Way Home was TV movie in 81. CBS right. Afternoon Playhouse in 82. This is his first movie. His first feature film, yeah. Okay. Uh, quick aside, because I feel like... So you and I have talked about off-podcast... How the downside to doing this is that we rarely get to hang out as just buddies and have fun. Uh-huh. You, you know what we might need to do? I backed it when it was on Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Uh, actually, my name's Drunkenly. No, no, this one was intentional. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the uh, the genius Alan Tudyk uh, did a series called Con Man, mm-hmm. um, which you know, was a thinly veiled, uh, you know, Xerox copy of his career with Firefly and, yeah. you know, post-Firefly. It's wonderful. I got the whole thing. It's delightful. And 
What? Is Will Wheaton in it? Uh, he is in it, and he <laughs> is he is delightful. So we're gonna have to plan a night, and they're all short. Yeah, be like twenty minute episodes. That w- let's plan a night where we're gonna go watch that because y- you'll you'll enjoy it. I, yes, let's definitely do that. But guys and gals, non-binary pals, let's <laughs> uh, point out that Todd went on a tangent, and I had to tell him <laughs> why why I went there. Yeah, I had to tell him why he went there because I saw it on your face halfway through talking. You're like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. Why, I don't know why we took this road. Wait, I did the, I did the. I walked into a room and I don't know why I went in there. It's 100 percent what I did. You were Jeremy the Crow. You're like, what? Is, what's happening? Yeah, that's what I did. That's what, what I'm doing. Oh, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right, we need to move through this. Yeah, let's we're move in through. Hour six, and we we're only about. Ten minutes into the I mean, fucking listen, film, let's. I'm fine with like, you know, going the broad strokes of the plot because again, it's it's not a complex pl- plot. It's also really smart for children, but for what's about to happen, which is I wrote "uck," sick Timmy song. Fucking fast yeah. forward. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is candle on the water. It is like the part when I was a kid where I would go get a snack or yep. Just yep. fast forward. I would just be like, no, <laughs> don't care. Uh, the other one that had one that I actually forgot until I was trying to think of other ones. Uh, I personally love the Disney Robin Hood. Oh, me too. An- anthropomorphic. But oh my God, Robin Hood and Marion's song, get it the fuck out of my face. Oh, it's been so long since love. I've seen it. Oh my god. You don't have to remember it. It's boring, I promise you. <laughs> you know, we have a mutual friend. He shared with me. I did not know this. Would we call him a mutual former friend? Yeah. So we know a guy. Uh, we know a guy um, who's a very he is a very learned person. And he shared with me. So Robin Hood is one of my all-time favorite um Disney cartoons. Mm. It's the reason why I got into archery. Literally, like, you know, I asked for a bow and arrow when I was Fuck like 10. Yeah. yeah. That was originally less of Robin Hood and actually more about this um, character in French folklore, Reynard the Fox, which is why. Yes. And Chanticleer is the rooster. Like, all of those are these archetypes in French folklore of these animal character and that's why because as a kid i'm like I, I love this but why is it a fox why is it a rooster why is it a fat wolf what's happening because reynard is a trickster yeah exactly so it's a, it, really fascinating but they would have never been able to sell it as reynard they had exactly. to use robin hood because we knew yeah exactly yep yep well it's the english storytelling tradition Amer you know americans you know through our english heritage uh, or english traditions don't know reynard they know robin hood and also, may I say, while we're talking about this, if you loved Robin Hood, I guarantee you right now in your head, you're singing Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. And that's all I'm going to sing because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Don't want to fuck with the mouse. <laughs> don't fuck with the mouse. You'll end up like those bones that Mrs. Brisby finds as she goes to see the great owl. Before we get to the great owl, I, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. Mrs. Fitzgibbon's info dump is pure children genius it is so quick and it's so well done i just i was like holy shit they did it they did it in a way that doesn't make kids go what's happening why you know she just dear a man came by today from nim yes you know the national institute of mental health he was asking if we had noticed anything strange with the rats on the farm well i said no nothing unusual yeah 
I have to get up early. Oh, it gave me goosebumps to hear him carry on that way. Like the rats might have some horrible disease. Night, I told him you'd call him back. Mm-hmm. Let's move on with the story. Wonderful. Certainly for kids, they may not make the immediate connection. But yeah, you're right. There is no reveal or hidden truth here, right? They were literally lab rats at -hmm. the National Institute for Mental Health. And you can immediately make that connection that they're interested in these rats. and Which I don't think is a thing anymore. I think there's just the National Institute for Health. And the mental part has been put in something else. Um, Because I I only know this because all through the pandemic, you'd hear stuff about the National Institute of Health. I'm like, you mean NIM? No, so... (laughs) Uh, oh, there NIM is still is, NIM? NIM is the lead federal agency for research on mental disorders. Now, they might be part of the National Institute of Health. Yeah, um, that's all I hear anymore is National Institute of Health. I'm like, you can't hide from me, NIM. I know what yeah. you did to those rats in the 70s. Uh, I actually see a reference to National Institutes of Health. I wonder if... Yeah, I, listen, this is not a Institutes, that would make... Yeah, we don't need to go on that tangent. Yeah. Instead, let's talk about the fucking great owl. Yes! The Great Owl. By the wonderful John Carradine. Why have you come? Who is just so fucking good and probably incredibly intoxicated while he's doing this live. 150 years old. You must move to a place where it'll be safe from the plow. Oh, he grew up in Poughkeepsie. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that either. His first acting credit on IMDb, so, I mean, that might even... Uh, 1930, Bright Lights. Fuck. And he has a total on IMDb of (laughs) 355 acting credits. With the last one in 1995, Jacko. uh, The the movie Jacko, he played Walter Matchin. Wow, good for him. Which was a jack-o'-lantern horror movie that looks horrible. (laughs) Oh, it's the Raul Julia effect. He's in Probably, a really ter- yeah. Because Raul uh, Julia, I mean, was a phenomenal actor, and then his last thing was Street yeah. Fighter. Uh, Oof, Street you know how IMDb gives you this their new layout that gives you like the summary of the top cast. He's not even in that group, so it must be like a blink and you miss it cameo. It must be okay. So before we actually get to the reveal of the Great Owl, sure. Let me just say that the spider that is creeping up on um, Mrs. Brisby—that is why I'm a terrified of spiders. <laughs> it's Shelob. It's fucking. It's animated like a spider, and I don't like it. I, <laughs> I kudos to the animators, but fuck you, animators. Yeah. Uh. It. Uh, man. It's so good. It's so good. It remembers. I remember now, and I think this is why horror movies exist, right? Like. The, the the fear, the rush of adrenaline you get in those frightening things is exhilarating. And you you have those moments. I still felt it when I saw the spider creeping down. A little science behind horror films. After you have that rush of adrenaline, you know what then gets released when you're scared? Endorphins? 100%. That nice. is why... That's why a lot of people love scary movies, because you get scared, and then you're like, oh, it's so cool, I'm scared. <laughs> and then you feel good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. There is a way. Go to the rats. Oh, boy. The great owl is just here to scare the crap out of the little ones and give an info dump. Yeah. You know, and he's almost like, I'm trying to think, what would be a parallel? He's almost like um, a divine... A, a divine and horrific figure at the same time. 
you know, like almost like all powerful, all knowing, but at the same time, dangerous. Like, do not trifle, right? You don't lightly go to the great owl. Well, as Mr. H just says, no one's gone to see the great owl, which he means no one's gone to see the great owl and come back. That's right. That's right. Important. <laughs> there are all those mouse bones there for a reason. Yeah. 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 Um, so the great owl, of course, very matter of fact, we gotta move your family, right? I can't. Timmy can't leave. Go see the rats. <laughs> and he's so like dipshit. Go see the rats. They'll help now, you. Come on. Now, interestingly, I almost feel like Jonathan is like a uh Alfred from Batman figure. Even the great owl knows of her husband. I must bid you good evening, Mrs. Uh... Mrs. Brisby. Brisby. Mrs. Jonathan Brisby? Why, yes. He was my husband. But how do you know about him? That is not important. Jonathan is Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Or if oh. we want to say fantasy, he's James Potter. As soon as as soon as soon sure. they say Jonathan Brisby, everyone's like, fuck, we got to help her. Like, every time. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sends her to see the rats. Jeremy meets up with her outside the Great Owl's uh, lair, and he wants to help, but she recognizes this is not a place for Jeremy basically tricks him into babysitting. Now, do you think that uh, Thor's disguise in Ragnarok is Tyka's little ode to Jeremy's disguise? Because he's wearing a little hoodie. He's like, Jeremy? What on earth? I'm in disguise. And all I could think was, What's with the... It's my disguise. I can see your face. You know, when I do this, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Uh, yeah. I feel I'd like this is a movie Taika watched a bunch as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mr. Watiti, if you'd like to come on our podcast and talk yeah. about that, we'd be more than happy. We 100%. will schedule it anytime you want. Yeah, we'll even let you pick the movie, you know, if you don't want to do the random thing. Well, I you, think you, the movie would be fucking Thor Ragnarok. I th- No, see, I think, you'd, I think you'd rather talk about a different movie. Okay. So Taika... What movie do you want to talk about? Yeah, so we'll just yeah, wait for come him. Come on, buddy. We'll just wait. Okay. We're waiting here. We're waiting. Okay, we, we can't wait any longer. Okay. Yeah. She goes to the rats. She talks to Nicodemus. Even the rats' lair, there's a, they have electricity. You know, she, she's first frightened away. But I do love that they're like, hey, it's bad we're stealing electricity. Like, yeah, these rats are so good that they're like, uh, it's not cool that we're doing this. Agree, agree. As she flees, she's met back at the entrance by Mr. Ages. And, <laughs> you know, again, he's like, oh, right. Because we first get the rat guard that is absolutely terrifying. Brutus, yes. Uh, who uh-huh. we don't see again. He's only in that one scene, but he's enough to frighten her out. She runs all the way back to the entrance uh, where mm-hmm. she meets Mr. Ages, who does not know why she's there. And when she tells him that the great owl sent her, well, that changes everything. He's like, okay, well, then you need to go see the rats. And yeah. he leads her down, down deeper below the rose bush. Is it always so dark? We're down three feet. Um, but they have electricity. They have lights that they are stealing from the farmer. We meet up with the noble Justin, the captain of the guards. It is an honor and a privilege, my lady. And Justin, and I'm just going to call her Elizabeth for the rest of the podcast. When Justin and Elizabeth meet, they are down to fuck. How beautiful. Ma'am? The lights. They're quite lovely. They kind of are, yeah. My only question is, how long has uh, Jonathan been dead? Like, look, uh, everybody grieves in their own way, but 
Take a minute there, Mrs. Brisby. I think he just recently passed. I think it's like measured in days. Rutrow. That's yeah, a little right. awkward. So Justin is voiced by the actor Peter Strauss. Mm-hmm. Now the guy's got 86 actor credits. I mean, no, um, you know, not you know, it's, it's sizable. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm trying to find stuff. Uh, he was on an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Yes, he was. Plant Man. Yeah. But going through his stuff, I mean, a lot of TV stuff, and I'm trying to find like one thing that would stand out. For, oh, so this was a thing, and I'm I've never seen it, but it was a thing as I was growing up that I was aware of that had this like almost reverence to it. Rich Man, Poor Man. Did you ever? Sure, I heard of it, but no, I never saw it either. But yeah, I've heard that name. He's in that. And I, it's a character, Rudy Jordash, which I don't know enough to know, was that a significant role? I don't know. But, uh, you know, he's not just a voice actor. He's a, he acts in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, he's one of the, oh, I think he's the rich man on the rich man, poor man. Uh, oh, okay. Side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, boy, the guy sounds like, who you want as the captain of the guard, right? Like he's noble and brave. <laughs> little little, uh, little cocksure of himself. Yeah. So they go in, and we have Jenner, played by the wonderful Paul Shinar. Yes. Uh, oh, God, he's just so swarmy. He is definitely a that guy actor. It's totally. If you do, uh, And just everything about Jenner is... Even his uh, detached eyebrows. Did you did you catch that his eyebrows are not actually attached to his head? No, no, I missed that. I'm like they're just like they're pretty much like this, and they just move around. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, sure, animation. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but when Jenner is, you know, uh, he's filibusting, basically. Yeah. The Thorn Valley Plan is the aspiration of idiots and dreamers. We and he sees Mister Ages, Justin, and he doesn't know who. Uh, Mrs. Brisbury is yet. <laughs> we were just talking about you. Oh, man, Justin's... That's refreshing, Jenner. Usually you're screaming about us. It's beautiful, right? Um, oh, it's just such the... Oh, we're going to play this game? Here we go. But, you know, Jenner, like, you... The second we see him, you're like, oh, he's a bad guy. You know, he's he's all but, like, twirling his mustache, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. the flowing cape, the, the, the pointed beard, everything mm-hmm. about him screams... I am not to be trusted. Yes, 100%. So Nicodemus, and again, this is a departure from the book in which Nicodemus is just another one of the rats. He's the elder, he's the leader, but he's not, he does has no supernatural powers. Yeah, he's not this wizard figure. Jenner is clearly uh, the opposite. He wants, he covets uh, Nicodemus's power. So Nicodemus's plan is that they must leave. They're going to go to Thorn Valley where they can live based on their new noble persona that they that they are yeah they say something about how they're gonna that that they're they figured out a way to to do uh electricity but it's never explained yeah i I almost love you know this almost feels like myth right like it doesn't have to be explained the sure you know the amulet kind of the same thing it is oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) this is almost like um the rats of nim are almost like the gods of olympia Right, like it. What they do sure. doesn't make sense to Mrs. Brisby, and that's okay because they're on a l- different level than she is, and so they're going to go to Thorn Valley. I mean, later on, uh, Justin will tell Nicodemus that the boat is ready, 
Um, mm-hmm. And they're preparing for their journey. I'm like, oh my god, it's the elves leaving Middle Earth in Lord of yeah, the Rings. It's the Grey right? Havens. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> totally going to the Grey Havens. <laughs> Mrs. Brisby, of course, carries the weight of her husband's service to the rats, which she doesn't know yet. But uh-huh. um, as Jenner recognizes that he's basically losing his audience, you know, he goes limp. Mrs. Brisby, a thousand pardons, my dear. Forgive the ill temper of my colleague. It would be an honor to assist Jonathan's widow in any way. And then, like, the back of the hand scheming to Sullivan, <laughs> his crony. Maneuvers of this nature are dangerous. Accidents could happen. Accident. Jenner? I'll explain later. And this is where uh, Sullivan is definitely like, uh, do I work for the bad guy? It kind of feels like yeah. I do. <laughs> I work oh, shit. That's right. Hey, guys, I think like we're you, working for the bad guy. Like, you totally see it on Sullivan's face, and you're like, oh, I didn't sign up for murder. Yep, yep. Except you kind of did. Oh, uh, let me explain. I'm a, oh, what a lovely hat you're wearing. True sweet talk. We have to spend a minute on this next scene. Sure. Because, oh, Auntie Shrew. Ready to fucking kill Jeremy. You can't leave me like this. There's a cat, cat. There's a cat. He's a very big animal. Good. Good riddance. Whoa, whoa. Hang on. Are you okay with murdering this random crow? 100% a that lady actress. So Hermione? Yeah. Hermione. Badly. Yeah. Natalie, thank you. Yes. Mary Poppins, right? She's in... Uh, she's she's, she's cook. Maid. Oh, she's Ellen the maid. That's right. Yeah. She's the maid, not the cook. The Aristocat. She has 100 acting credits, but she kind of plays that like... Brisbane! Good gracious. Yeah. But she's totally, totally that lady actress. Yeah. And of course, during the scene, the kids start to free Jeremy and then they're kids, so they don't really know that when you untie somebody, you should probably start with... The legs! The legs! The legs! <laughs> yeah, and right. my absolute favorite line that I still quote to this day when someone falls over... Or the poor turkey fell down. <laughs> yeah, I have heard you say that, yes! Oh my god, I have heard you say that. Oh, I, anytime someone falls over. Oh, the poor turkey fell down. <laughs> I'm not a turkey. Ages has brought uh, Mrs. Brisby deeper uh, in under the rose bush to meet Nicodemus yeah. himself. So uh-huh. he brings her to the door, steps back, and allows her to kind of pass the threshold. And and uh, there's a little bit of the hero's journey, right? It is. Hang on. Yeah. We can't gloss over the opening of the door because Nicodemus is so fucking extra with this door. It opens and there's fireworks and there's a light show and like it's kind of a big deal, yeah. <laughs> it's and then he's just sitting there like, oh, oh, you're here. I'm like, come on, you set all that shit up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So and we get a huge info dump, which is uh, again, if you're an adult, not a big stretch to kind of understand where you were starting with the NIM National Institute of Mental Health. They were literally lab rats taken off the street, used in experiments in the lab, which were horrifying and um, frightening. Something I'd never noticed until this watch, 11 mice, 20 rats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, along with beagles, what the fuck, um, chimpanzees, all these other animals that are there. They didn't get the injection at the... They were there for different experiments, yes. but yeah, they yeah. were still being... I mean... 
this is the heart one of the hardest scenes for me in the movie like the rabbits that are sitting there and they're breathing real fast like rabbits that are really scared i'm like did you have to animate the rabbits that they're freaking out that's not cool i mean again it's a don bluth movie and you know the world can be scary sometimes and he shows that and this is a scary place even you know the details um inside the different animals little cages like the walls have almost like stains on them inside the cages like yeah it's some shit's gone down at nim it's a little touch that so beautifully connects it, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you can definitely hear what that sounds like. You can almost smell it. And it, and that's the face you just made is exactly the way you it. react to it. I don't, I don't want to smell Disgust, it. Disgust, right? Yeah, yeah. No. So they were given an injection. It's a total Planet of the Apes scenario. Yes. The modern Planet of the Apes is never explained in yeah, the original right, one. So, right. But yes, 100%. They are now super intelligent. They escape freeing all of them. All but two of the mice are sucked down the ventilation shaft to their deaths. Something I had never noticed until this watch because my podcast brain was going like, oh, this would be a cool sequel. All the the mice come back and he's like to their deaths. I went, well, we can just cross out that note. That's uh, They're all super duper dead. Okay. As they are almost out, they've gone up through the ventilation system. They're at a vent on the roof, but it's locked. They can't get out. But Jonathan is small enough to get through, unlocks the vent responsible for freeing them so hence his status as you know the the one to whom they all owe everything right if jonathan had perished with the rest of the rats or with the rest of the mice the rats would have been screwed they wouldn't have been able to get out that's right they were too big to get through there it's that that's a that's a dark moment in this movie and following that nicodemus gives elizabeth the amulet it sleeps sleeps Worn by one with a courageous heart, the stone glows red. It becomes a blinding radiance. Courage of the heart is very rare. The stone has a power when it's there. She reads an inscription on the on the back of the amulet. You can unlock any door if you only have the key. So the, I already said it was a MacGuffin, and it is. It's a MacGuffin. It's a, you know, it, well, it's not really a MacGuffin. MacGuffin, no one's searching for it. Yeah. But anytime anyone sees it, they want it. It's Marcellus, well, it's the briefcase um, from Pulp Fiction. I was going to say it's the one ring. It, sure. Because yeah. the one ring is like, like you said, Nicodemus explains it, but my note is Nicodemus explains the amulet. Sort of. Kind of. Yeah, he yeah. explains it for a kid's movie. Like, you don't need to bog this down. If this was made today, there would be a whole, you know, prequel movie of the how amulet. the amulet yeah. came to be. And I would hate it. The inscription itself doesn't even make that much sense. <laughs> yeah. In terms of, of course, what, any door can be unlocked if you have a key. That's literally what keys are for. Yeah, that's what keys are for. That should connect to how the amulet is used in the climax of the film. It doesn't really. The way the amulet is used is super vague and why it does what it does. I mean, so let's jump there because it, it makes sense. Mrs. Brisby is transformed by the amulet. Is it a permanent transformation? Is she now imbued with the intelligence and the longevity that 
that her husband and the rats were. Is that what gave them all the longevity, the amulet, or I thought it was the experiments? The injections did. But I mean, again, and again, this is why this is almost kind of shoehorned in. It's an object that Jenner can covet. Obsess right? for, for yeah. 30 seconds. Like, yeah. Well, but even, even in this scene, um, or it's one of the prior scenes when Nicodemus is watching through his scrying portal, he basically says <laughs> that, oh, when he tells us at the beginning that Jenner is dangerous, we can't can't be trusted he says like the amulet has to be hidden from him if he sees you know if he if he sees it he'll go after it or something but Which again he's 100 percent right the instant he sees it on brisbee he's like i'm gonna kill you and take that now and you're like that was a jump yeah 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 so moving day has has happened yep. they need to move but during the drugging of dragon uh the fitzgibbons boy which god that kid just seemed like so smackable yeah bill was it billy yeah Catches um, Elizabeth, puts him in the old bird cage, which let's not dissect where the bird ended up with a cat in yeah, the house. That's right. <laughs> I I like this little problem solving that uh, Elizabeth did with yeah. the um, with the bird sticks her hand in the water because yeah. she cuts it, and then she realizes, oh, I can get up underneath here. She pushes the water out of the way. I guess it was probably a bird bath, wasn't it? If yeah. it's a bird, it's, it's wasn't bird just cage. for water. The yeah. Also, gross. Get out of there. <laughs> Bird bathe in there. Birds are gross. <laughs> so she's got to warn them because she hears Farmer Fitzgibbons on the phone saying Nim is coming tomorrow. Nim is clearly aware that these animals were smart because they're asking specific pointed questions about unusual abilities. The farmer hasn't noticed that, but none of his traps work. Yeah, no shit, because those rats are smarter than you. So yeah. Nim says, we'll come in. We'll let us bulldoze that bush. We'll get rid of those rats for you. Now, well, there's no charge. <laughs> Good. Okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. So she gets there. They have tried to move. The, he, she lives it, in a cinder block. Yeah, it's a it, huge operation. It's really cool, right? It's very cool to see, like, we've got winches. We've got all these really cool Pulleys, things. right? Like block and tackle. And... Jenner just fucks it all by uh, cutting the ropes and killing Nicodemus. Shockingly, his plan works. Like his the, plan you know, works. The blocks being moved, and at this critical moment, bam, he cuts the line. Sullivan uh, chickens, chickens out. out. Uh, R.I.P. Nicodemus. R.I.P. Nicodemus. They're all sad about that. Mrs. Brisby comes in and is like, Nim is coming tomorrow. You got to move also, or they're going to kill you all. And of course, the rats rightfully are like, whoa, wait, what? Nim, that's not good, except for Jenner. Don't listen. She's hysterical. Hey, Jenner, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's talking fast doesn't mean she's hysterical. Sadly, for the time, nobody would have uh, batted an eye at that line. And Yep. <laughs> in the 2021 lens, I went, if you didn't like Jenner already, Here's your moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, because so, what does he do next when she's still talking? He slaps her. He does. He does. Jesus. He's not a good guy. Not a good guy. Jenner attacks Mrs. Brisby. Justin blocks Jenner, but at this point, Jenner sees the stone that she's wearing around her neck. And, of course, now it's on. Oh, he is he is Boromir with Frodo. He is just like, give it to me right now. 100%. He wounds Justin. Goes for the amulet. Sullivan throws Justin his sword, and we've got the good guy, bad guy sword fight. I mean, again, <laughs> there's a sword, you know, swords, you know, can't be a knight without my sword. So, um, and it's wonderful. This animated fight is delightful, right? 
delightful and actual tension. Like, yes, it is tense. It is. It is really well done. Jenner's sword is terrifying. Uh, it's because this wavy bladed sword. From yep. what I understand, those kind of you, you make it a wavy blade so that the wound can't heal properly. Maybe so jagged, jagged edges. Maybe jagged edges. It it cuts a different way. I'm like, okay. So if you were at all confused <laughs> to whether or not Jenner was a bad guy, his sword is the last clue they're going to give you that he <laughs> is a fucking bad guy. That's right. You think Jenner's been defeated. Justin gives this empowering speech of, you know, it's over. We need to move. There's no way for us to survive. Thorn Valley is the future. We need to do this for Nicodemus. Jenner has got his sword up. He's about to kill him. And in a last-ditch heroic effort, Sullivan stabs him in the back, Grima Wordentongue style. Uh, throws his dagger, and it spins yeah, end over th- end. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It hits him. And I love Paul Shinar's death rattle, almost, when he gets stabbed. It's just like... <laughs> he falls to his death, you're just like, oh, jeez. You felt that, that, that stab yeah. with that noise. You're like, right. oh... Uh, again, the voice acting really good. So, in the extended version of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the, yeah, which week? Grima Wormtongue. the The whole voice of Saruman is in the movie, and okay. Grima kills, um, uh, Saruman. Pretty much, yep. she stabs him, and he falls to his death. When Peter Jackson was explaining it to him, he's like, you know, and when you get stabbed, yes. kind of make this ah! noise. And um, Christopher Lee, who was an actual honest-to-God spy. Uh, OSS, yep. Yeah, it says, well, actually, when you stab a person, they don't go, ah, they'll go, and Chris and Peter Jackson just kind of stood there for a second and went, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would fucking know. <laughs> you know, Christopher Lee recorded a metal album when he was, what, in his late 80s or early 90s oh, or something? <laughs> He's like the only guy that is metal enough to record a metal album at <laughs> 90 years old, right? I, I can't remember who was asking him, but some actor was doing something with him. Christopher Lee was notorious for being a talker, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just carrying on wonderful conversation on set until you asked him about spy shit. And he went, because, and so, somebody finally was like, they were at a dinner, or they were at dinner together. He's like, look, oh, you know who it was? It was Elijah Wood. Okay. He's like, look. Christopher, it's just us. No one can hear us. Just give me one. Give me one of your stories. And he says, Christopher just leaned and went, can you keep a secret? And he goes, yes, I can. And he just goes, I can too. (laughs) Damn, right? Uh, You're like, no, that's totally fair. Because he's got, like, his name is in documents that are redacted. uh, The dude's fucking metal. Yeah, yeah. I've got the exact quote because this is on the the DVD commentary for Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson is is relating this story. And I want to read it and I'll give you the quotes because it's so fucking metal. As director Peter Jackson explained, he tried to get Lee to scream as he was stabbed only to be corrected. Here's what Lee said. Have you any idea what kind of noise happens when somebody's stabbed in the back? Lee said, he asked Jackson, <laughs> because I do. <laughs> that's fucking. You're just like <laughs> that's that's fucking. And that's awesome. probably as much as you'll get him. And, get, and I think for that's him it. to admit. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's it. I've I've stabbed someone in the back. The end. I can't yeah. tell you who. That's right. <laughs> but I know what it sounds like. And this ain't it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh Jesus! What a metal motherfucker he was. Again, 
uh, as we're handing out rest in peace, rest in peace, Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. One of the best. I mean, one of the few only people he played Dracula and Van Helsing, right? Yes. And he was uh, Tolkien's pick for Gandalf. Mm-hmm. But by the time they got around to the movies, he. Because he knew Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. But when it came around to make the movies, Christopher Lee's like, nah, I'm too old. I cannot do yeah. what you want Gandalf to do. Uh, but uh, my friend Ian McKellen. <laughs> oh, God. Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. commander. Dear God! Are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem oh. to have no rank! Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain! I mean Commander, I mean Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I, I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just oh. dial that back there. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> Is my microphone working? It is. Hello, everyone. My name is Pat Benson, and I'm here to tell you about my new show, Crossed Wires. It's for music lovers, but especially those who are into the tech side of things. Join me as I talk about guitars, electronic instruments and equipment, and conduct gear demonstrations as well as interviews with artists going through their creative process. My first episode, 10 Years is a Decade, is out now. Join in as I try to unravel a mystery that has swept the gear community. It's known as the 10 years pedal, and I demonstrate it on a guitar, bass, synthesizer, and a drum machine. I even get the help of some of my friends in The Strokes, Paramore, and Josh Scott of GHS Pedals to try to get to the bottom of who makes this elusive pedal. To listen and subscribe to the show, head on over to nsradio slash crosswires. That's nsrad.io slash crossed wires. All right, that's it. That's what my show's about. 
Jenner is dead, right? Justice has been served. Now, you said it. There was Sullivan's last breath. He collapsed because, of course, he was stabbed by Jenner after he mm-hmm. tossed uh, Justin his sword. So the celebration or the you know the relief quickly disappears. The the home is sinking into the mud, right? So cross is gone. It's warming, and now this mud is softening, and the cinder block is sinking. And it's uh, it's a race against the sinking cinder block. It's a again very suspenseful. I'm I, I I when I was watching this, I wrote, "Why am I terrified for these animated mice right now?" Be, be for this simple story, we care, and that's why this yeah. is such a great movie, right? We care. We care. Yeah. yeah. Like like when um not Teresa, what's the little girl's name? Cynthia? Cynthia. When Cynthia's like, why is it all black? I can't breathe. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. This yeah. is too much. Yep. My parent brain has kicked in and <laughs> I don't like what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh so of course, Mrs. Brisby hears sees what's happening. Of course, she goes into mom mode mm-hmm. and she runs out. Uh Justin, you know, the hero that he is. Immediately marshals the rats, start grabbing every every line, start tying them off. They're tying them off, but one by one, the lines are snapping. Nothing they can do can stop this. And as the last line snaps, Mrs. Brisby struggles. She's sucked under. Justin does the old, ties himself off, dives in after her. Justin pulls a Wesley. He does. <laughs> oh, is that? He pulls a Wesley a- from Princess Bride. Oh, Yes, I'm sorry. I was thinking Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, he totally no. does a Wesley. He totally does, he a, does Wesley. a Wesley from Princess Bride. He pulls her out, but it's too late. The The block is gone. And, and the animation is... of Mrs. Brisby's face when she has been pulled out and she is realizing I've just lost my children too. Woof. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. God. It's powerful. And, um, you know, we're saved from having to explain to our children... <laughs> why those kids died, as the amulet, which she had lost in the mud, rises up and, I mean, deus ex machina, if oh, it was it's a deus being, ex machina, right? Like, it's 100%. a hand-wave solution, right? It's never explained. Yeah, the amulet <laughs> like the- rises up, it comes to her, touches her, and she is transformed. Is, that, is the only way to describe First it, it burns her, and yes. then she looks at it, and Nicodemus is like, Remember who you? Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. That's uh, that's the Lion King. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he gives the same line again, and then she grabs it again, and she pretty much becomes one with the Force. Like she is a full on Jedi at this moment. Kind of the look when after all of the Guardians grab the Power Stone and Peter is in control of it. Same it's idea. like, oh, you're in my sandbox now. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And and she lifts the X wing up out of the swamp of Dagobah. Um, Boy, we are just mixing all the metaphors right now. It's great. (laughs) All of them. Uh, It floats over to the lee of the stone where the owl told her to move her home, which is the Mm -hmm. protected side, right? So this this big, massive stone will protect it. Sets it down safely, and everything's good. Like, the music swells. She seems kind of drained from it. She does collapse. Uh, she definitely yeah, collapse. Right. Yeah. Yep. Then we are probably a couple weeks later, maybe the next day. I don't know. I think it's like, the next day because pa- there's two trucks next to the farmhouse. 
There's two trucks next to the farmhouse, and they're just rat bandaging Elizabeth's hands. So, oh, yeah, it's right. the next yeah. day. Timmy seems to be feeling better. I guess Devin is the uh, house fucking jostled around for a couple hours, loosened no, no, no. all the uh, congestion in his chest. What's the rule? You feel better after 24 hours on antibiotics, right? It's the next day. He- is that what he gave him, do you think? He gave him some sort of antibiotic? It's got to be. Okay. It's because they were in a lab. It's not like 1800s. It's a thing. Mr. Ages was a super smart mouse. Yeah, it's totally antibiotics. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Jeremy uh, arrives with Aww. all of the string he could find. All of it. Because that's what Mrs. Fris- Brisby sent him to do. Go get the string. I just did it, and I forgot to mention. So... We talked about earlier, and we're right at the end, but I want to get this in here. They didn't make the decision to make it Mrs. Brisby until after most of the main cast had recorded their lines. You're kidding. And they could not get them back together. And this was before where we can edit how we can. It was reel to reel. It was a magnetic strip. So the, the audio department had to find other times during the movie where the actors said, and splice it in. You're kidding. And it never sounds weird the entire wow. movie. That's I was amazing. listening today specifically for that because I, I read that today and I was like, okay, let me let me see what I hear. Yeah. Never once you like, oh, that's the one. That's the one where it was Frisbee and they that's changed amazing. it to Briz. Uh spoiler, we're not that good. <laughs> you would hear it with us. <laughs> yeah. I'd speak for yourself, sir. I've 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 covered some I've covered some shit that we've okay. done. I'm sorry. I'm not that good. You would hear it <laughs> unless Casey fixed it. That's right. If it's the beginning of the end, you probably would. You heard it. That's right. Um, so Jeremy, you know, after being off stage for most of the action, is run into by a female crow. Excuse me. Excuse pardon me. Pardon me. It's his perfect match. <sighs> they have a little yeah. roll in the hay, so to speak. To the point where I was kind of like, Jeremy, do you want to like, do you want to do some DNA testing? This may be your sister. <laughs> She's also got a red bow. You've had the red string around your neck. He didn't, get the, birth. He didn't get the shot. He's not that smart. He's fine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but interestingly, you know, the closing shot of the film is Jeremy and his love, you know, mm-hmm. holding on to, you know, different ends of the string, flying off into the sun together. Yeah. And that's the... Uh, and movie. Dream by night, wish by day, love begins. And uh, during the credits, we get a wonderful song by <gasps> Paul Williams. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the song that's sung during the credits is Paul Williams. Oh. Writer of many wonderful Muppets songs, including The Rainbow Connection. Wasn't he the guy who also wrote Short People Got No Reason to Live? Yes. He's a very uh, funny, He's also in he's Cannibal guy. Run. He's a Cannibal. Yeah. He's in uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Daddy? <laughs> or not. Uh, yeah, Daddy. He's the one. Uh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, and he's little. Is it Big Enoch in uh, Cannibal Run? Oh, I, Big. I cannot remember the character's name. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. So, Todd. Yes. That was your pick for your first milestone movie. Yeah. And you had admitted during uh, E.T. that you had not watched this in a long time. So before we get to our normal questions, how was this rewatch for you? It was wonderful. It was magical. I, you know, although growing up as a geek, you know, I immersed myself in fantasy and sci-fi. 
I started with fantasy. Fantasy was where I started. I wanted to be a knight of the round table. So I'm okay with not understanding the things. I always I want to understand, but I'm okay. That's why I start that's why I'm a Star Wars guy and only, you know, came to Star Trek later. I'm fine with the fantasy, the mythology, the the epic sure. and unknown feel. And um, even the suspense. I mean, I felt it again. I was like, that's why I love this movie. It, I am 100%. 100% happy with the decision to for this to be my first pick. As am I, because I love Yay. this movie too. Yay! Uh, so, that being said, yeah. Todd, who was your favorite character? Who? I mean, so I think I'm going to show my gender bias, right? Like, And again, this is... Uh, again, if you remember where what I just described, me wanting to be this heroic knight, I'm Justin, right? But yeah. but I mean, Mrs. Brisby's a great character, and she's a she's a great character. She finds strength in an era in which you didn't have lots of great female characters. I mean, yes, she's she is stretching beyond her comfort zone. She's doing what she has to do and succeeding. I mean, she's a rock star. But I yeah, still gotta uh, say Justin. <laughs> total like d- d- asterisk. It is Mrs. Brisby. Like mm-hmm. because without her, unlike you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, none of the story moves forward. Yeah, um, you, you know that th- theory, right? That the entire plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark would play out exactly as it plays out, whether or not Indiana Jones was there. No, I'm literally gonna... everything can happen without without him. Indiana Jones being there. Interesting. It's okay. crazy. Oh. And like, think about the movie and be like, oh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. It all, Marion probably would have been killed earlier, but the Nazis would still have gotten everything that they needed and be you oh, know, and they, killed by the their, Ark of the Covenant. In their hubris, yeah. they would have opened the Ark and they would have yep. been, to, oh, yeah. Indy had nothing to do with opening the Ark. That's true. Belloc would have eventually found it. Uh, digging for oh, it, they were digging in the wrong place. But when they damn. realized that, they would have. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. Shit, well, now you give me something to think about. All right, uh, so <laughs> you're, you, you're Mrs. Brisby as well. Uh, no, your, Mrs. Brisby is my is my character. asterisk, just like you. Got it. But my favorite character oh, is Jenner. Jer- Jeremy. Jenner. Jenner. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, he's no, a no, good villain. No, yeah, he's a wonderful villain. He really is. He really. I mean, he's. Yeah, yeah, yep. Agree, agree. He and and as someone who who has played villains on stage, uh, playing the villain is always so fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey. Especially when it's a well written villain like this. Like this is a this is this is a villain who's evil. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh uh there are villains that are. Uh, tragic villains. Sure, but this is a this is an evil villain. He is evil. We don't have any kind of ridiculous backstory to him. You know, they didn't uh, Cruella this shit. Uh, <laughs> he's just he's just a bad dude, yeah. and I like that. Now on the on the theme of things you like, tell me what is the best scene? It it's the Jeremy being tied up by the shrew. It's oh, just okay. gets me every time. So that's oh, certainly a, poor a high point in humor. fell down. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> I'm going. I, so I appreciate the humor there, but I'm going to the the heroic action. It's the duel, Jenner and Justin. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could have answered that. Yeah, of that, course. Everybody listening could have answered yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. 
Oh, is there is there a uh, buckle being swashed? Oh, Todd's gonna like it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. One hundred percent. Hey, Todd, uh, what is the one scene you would cut? So first off, is there anything? No, there's nothing. The movie's an hour and twenty minutes. It's brisk. It doesn't. It doesn't ever feel like it drags. Although, you know, it it is a while before we get into things, but it doesn't feel like they're lingering on anything. It doesn't feel long, and it. 80 minutes, what are you going to cut? I cut the song. I cut the <laughs> sick Timmy song. <laughs> Fuck that kid. Not, yeah. the, not, not the scene, like have her give him the medicine and everything. Sure. But, but the, Jesus, we don't need a two and a half minute fucking song. You think that was like a Disney holdover? Like, oh, well, we have to have a couple songs in it. Uh, no, because it's not her singing it. No, but but like, yeah. If, okay, if, right. if Mrs. Brisby just broke into song during that one number, yeah, I'd be a like, Disney song. Yeah, the hell is happening right now? <laughs> All right, Casey, who is the actor having the most fun? This is <laughs> Dom. De- bless you. This is Dom DeLuise. One hundred percent. He is having the. <laughs> Sorry. Cole. He is having the best time. I, I I mean, just everything about Jeremy is wonderful. Agreed. And it is not the character. It is Dom DeLuise. Agree. 100%. Yeah. All right. So, Casey, as we said uh, at the beginning of the episode, this pot, uh, this movie is a 7.6 on IMDb. How say you? I put this at a solid nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nine, just because as an adult, I wish there was a little, like, I don't need a prequel movie about the amulet, but I wish there'd been a little more discussion of what the amulet did, Nicodemus, you know, a little more on the fantasy side of explaining it. But I get why it is. I mean, it's a product of the time, too. Yeah. We weren't interested in going into deep lore in mainstream fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels right. Nine out of ten. This movie holds (laughs) up. Movies. Holds up. One hundred percent holds up. Now here's uh, this is an interesting one. Dad's breakdown. You watch this with kids. I watched this with the bean during the pandemic. <gasps> uh, it was Danny the Bean and me, and they both hated this. What? What? Hated this. You're kidding me. Yeah. I am. I'm. Ge- I am genuinely shocked. Yeah. Now, you wanted nothing to do with it. Your your wife, you know, as we know, does not like violence in entertainment. Uh So I get the beans. The beans lukewarm on it, but they just they didn't. They're just like it's. It was all fighting. I'm like, wasn't all fighting? Come on. I mean, so and again, I think, and you know, to be fair, there weren't. I mean, this is a full length animated film, and it wasn't Disney, right? Like. There wasn't a lot of that growing up. You know, set, cartoons no. were what you could watch on Saturday mornings. And if you missed them on Saturday, tough luck. You know, they'll be on next Saturday, right? So, yeah. I mean, maybe nowadays there's, you know, everything you can imagine at your fingertips. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a nostalgia for me, but boy, I'm sorry. I think, I think, I don't know. I, so, same girlfriend from college. Um, I brought all my VHSs with me because I'm a fucking nerd. (laughs) Yep. And we were going through, and she saw The Last Unicorn. 
in okay. my collection. She's like, oh my God, you have the last unicorn? And then she's flipping through. She goes, shut the fuck up. You have the secret of Nim. You know that. It was this weird movie that obviously we all watched as kids. Yeah. But like when you got older, if someone knew it, you were like in a secret club. Yeah. I feel yeah. like. You had that you had that connection. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, the secret of Nim. Yeah, they have the sparkly. <laughs> uh, so schedules did not line up well. So I was not able to watch it. So I don't think Joseph will be interested in this. Christian actually, and he's coming home uh, Monday night. He's going. He'll be here for a week, so I'm super excited. So if you want to stop over at any point this week, whenever, yeah. yeah. Um, Let me know when everybody's there. That's when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever met Joey's husband, Jerry? Probably never. Yes. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Good. The last time they were here. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, so I have not my, met Chris or Matta. Those are the. Oh, okay. Then yeah, you 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 got it. Absolutely. Okay. We'll make yeah. that happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, Christian might watch it out of like curiosity because you know this is has uh, he never important. seen it? Uh, no, no, we didn't watch oh. that one, this when he was growing up. Um, Joseph, I don't think will care. He's at that point now where it's not going to hit him. <laughs> I think actually, um, actually, you know, he just turned thirteen. I'm going to call him. So Jack, uh, you know, my youngest, oh, yeah, hey. he's thirteen now. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Jack, uh, you know. He's very proud of pointing out that he laughed at it because I let him watch it. Uh, he loves horror movies, you know. And to so, be fair, it had some pretty dark humor in it. When Pennywise <laughs> is standing there, face covered in blood, he just takes the bloody hand and goes, "Yeah, that's right." That's right. <laughs> it's like, that's right. oh, that's yeah, yeah, hilarious. Uh, so I'll bet you, I'll bet you, Jack will like this because yeah. of the suspense it builds. So it's probably this is going to be dependent on the kid, I think. Oh, what? Yes. Yeah. As d- surprise every time we get every, to this. Yeah, event. exactly. Depends on your kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Casey, this was our second episode in this season of Patreon, whose theme was movie milestones. We've selected those movies in our youth or in our history that, uh, you know, mean something special to us. We've each done one kind of early, early formative years of movie watching. Uh you're up next to tell us what's the movie we're going to watch for that next phase of your development. Well, before I tell you what we're going to watch, I'm going to tell you some of the ones that I thought about. I thought you were going to say, but let me tell you why. No. (laughs) (laughs) First, I uh, thought about Short Circuit. You love that movie. Yeah. But then I realized uh, brown, brown face, face is yeah. bad. <laughs> yep. So no, uh-huh. and I'll just love that in my heart and not subject our listeners to having to watch a clearly white man in in brown makeup uh, and not be a Klingon because, you know, Star Trek did the same thing, but they were aliens, so it was okay. It's okay. Uh, and then I wrestled with a couple other movies I was going to do, you know, stuff from around 93. There was some some big movies. I'm going to stay in 93. Okay. I'm going to do a movie about a group of people on an island being chased by dinosaurs. That's right. <gasps> We're going to watch Jurassic Park. Oh my god, I'm super happy. This might be this might be the most fun well, the you haven't seen that was a lot of fun as well. But boy, this is a this is a fun season. Yes. Oh, fuck yeah! I have been I trying to get excited. the boys to watch the first movie. Maybe I'll just try and maybe I'll just like Shanghai him and like make him watch it. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. It's so good. Oh my god, I'm so excited to watch this. Clever girl. Now, we re- we referenced at, that earlier. Clever girl. Uh eagle eagle eared, not eagle eared. Eagle, eagles don't have really good ears. <laughs> nope, Hang on. They don't. <laughs> Hang on. Hey Google. What animal has the best ear hearing? Ear hearing? What ear the hearing. fuck? <laughs> bats. Let's go with bats. No. What animal can hear the best? Because it said, here's the results from the web and didn't show me dick. Yeah. Well, that's good that it didn't show you dick. Okay. Uh, elephants? Interesting. Okay. I'll go with bats. So, uh, bat-eared listeners <laughs> may notice that this is the second Steven Spielberg movie that I'm going to do. Uh, spoiler alert, I really fucking love Steven Spielberg. Um, uh, spoiler, in about... Three weeks, the new West Side Story movie comes out, and I'm super duper jazzed because, um, oh, hey, again, it's not white people in brownface, it's actual <laughs> Latinas playing the roles. Hooray! Uh, and um, there's a go ahead, uh, Ariana DeBois. Uh, DeBois, is that how you say her name? She was also in um, The Prom, which you didn't watch. Uh, you didn't watch? Did you watch Schmigadoon? I did. Yeah, the library, the the schoolhouse. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. She's playing Anita, and she t- oh, she wow. was it her? Was it Rachel? I follow them both, but one of the two of them tweeted out today whispers a boy like that, and I have a love is done live on set. Oh wow! Like, oh, yes, that's the kind of song you can't you can't I... not do it that way. I um I'm sure my have, wife will be watching. Have it. no fucking clue what yeah, I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> that too. That too. That too. <laughs> I don't know those songs. It's oh. uh, Anita and Maria fighting. Got it. Over okay. the fact that that she slept with Tony. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Well, I'm still um, so I'm still formulating mine. But uh, sh- oh, you don't have well, to give it out now. That was the, no, the only reason course, we did course. the two is because it <laughs> because I guessed this naturally. <laughs> you totally did. You totally did. Um, but let's, uh, let's watch that trailer. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Okay, I love so this movie. I love this movie. I I'm fucking so excited. love this movie. Everything about this. I mean, we got two future MCU stars uh, in yeah. this movie. Uh, wait, hold on. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Life uh, <laughs> finds a way. Finds a way. Um, yeah. Uh, also, have you checked out the world according to Jeff Goldblum on no Disney Plus? No, I. Just, oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Why have you not checked yeah, out? That's, that's <laughs> the totally world fair. according to it's 
it's many documentaries. I mean, it's 30 minute documentaries with the childlike wonder and excitement that is Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, listen, as we're gushing over this movie, do you want to take a do you want to take a guess at what the IMDb rating is for Jurassic Park? I think it's got to be in the in the nines. Like I nine would have three. thought that as well. Oh, eight, son of a bitch. 8.1, barely in the eights. Yeah. Suck a Tyrannosaurus dick. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Jesus. 8.1? Yeah. I bet, I bet you if we went and looked, and I'm in the same camp, but it doesn't make me hate the movie more at, at any point. Yeah. The book is totally different. It is. It is. Have you you've read the book? Oh, yeah. Book's yeah. fucking great. Well, I, I love, you know. I'll share. I love Michael Crichton's writing. I think he's a brilliant mm-hmm. author. His- I love the mystery in the beginning of the chunk of the dinosaur that shows up. And yep. they're like, what is this? Oh my God. It's, you know, it's, uh, and, uh, uh, oh God. Built the island. Hammond. Yeah. Hammond is a totally different character in the book. Yes. He is a, Dick and a he's, half. I was just gonna say, kind of a little bit dark, a little bit dark. But then when they when they cast um, uh, Richard Attenborough, they yeah. were like, oh, "We can't, we can't change we this." Gotta like him, yeah, yeah, exactly. We gotta like him. Um, oh, what was I watching? Something, some movie I just watched that did a joke about this. Yes, I don't. Richard Attenborough, David Attenborough. Uh, yes. Wh- no. No, it was Jurassic Park. Run. <laughs> yes. Yes. What was it? Uh, oh, it's the... That was it's, something we I both saw watched. It, it popped up. It's in the little teaser. It's in the little teaser if you hover or if you sit on Red Notice in Netflix. It's The Rock and That's Ryan what it is, Reynolds. Red Notice, which also <gasps> oh, Red I Notice like is super... Oh, it's so good. Oh. It's so dumb, but so no good. No one wants to watch it with me. So I think I'm just going to watch it. Maybe I'll try and get them to watch Hang on. It. There is someone in those... Top three actors. Yeah, there is someone for somebody to be sexually attracted to. Unless you are asexual, there's someone in there for you to that's go. Right. Hi, Chihuahua. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say for that me, tonight. I'm, it's Gal Gadot. Yeah, oh, shocker. Uh, I'm going to go watch the. What is it? The harder they fall. I'm going to watch that. Nobody wants to watch Fuck. that. So that's what I'm watching in two minutes here. There is a visual joke. Okay. I won't. I won't say what it is, but you'll know when you get to it that I before there's a visual joke and then it is explained in text. Mm-hmm. The instant the visual joke started, I fucking lost it. I laughed <laughs> so hard, and then the and then the text came up and went, "Holy shit! Yes, it's, oh, that's awesome." So yeah, and you will know exactly when it okay. happens. But Excellent. God, the harder they, my parents watched it twice. Oh wow. Okay. Well, good. I'm gonna go watch it tonight. So. Okay, so uh, so we don't need to do social plugs nah, because again, it's, yeah, it's Patreon. Here. You know what what's up. But thank you for being uh, a Patreon subscriber. If you're listening to this in December of 2021, if you're hearing it in the far future, get on Patreon. Come on, we're having good times over here. Yeah, we are. All right. Hey, Casey. That was uh, actually. Hey, Casey. Our yeah. music for the episode comes for us there from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. 
So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this episode. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. And for Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Hey, right. that was fun, man.